0: In that case, I pronounce you lucky.
2: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Oh. More You Talk now. Kyle and Lana, welcome to You Talk.
1: Good Thank morning. you. Good morning. Good from mo- Thailand, good morning. <laughs> morning. <laughs>
2: good morning. I love it. Okay, now you've got to tell our audience, where are you?
1: We are in Thailand on the Thai-Burma border. 14 hours
2: ahead. Oh, that is crazy. Well, I was gonna say thanks for getting up, but you're already up. You know, thanks for, uh, you guys have some great people working with you because they've been working hard to coordinate, you know, 14 hours, and it worked out great. I mean, this is awesome. How many countries are you guys working in at the present? Currently we're in Thailand, Burma, and now Brazil. Ah interesting mix and that's hopping around a lot uh Burma and Thailand not too bad but then jumping down to Brazil is a whole nother story
1: yeah, so we're we're feeling it right now because we just got in from Brazil into Thailand, so we're really feeling it. It's the, the jet lag. So even when you're asking what time is it? Uh,
2: we don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Like, I don't know. I'm awake. I got to talk to this guy. So we're gonna. <laughs> no, I I know what that's like. I remember flying my first trip to Brazil, and I was going to be speaking at this event, and I had no time to get anything to eat or whatever. Flew in late, uh, got up early. And I got done doing this session that I was supposed to do. And I said, okay, I really need a cup of coffee. They said, okay, come here, Steve. And they hand me this little thing that's like, it well, looks like a thimble. I said, no, no, you guys don't understand. I want coffee. I need coffee. And they said, just drink it. You know, and it's like my curly hair went straight. It was coffee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's like, no oh, joke.
1: Okay. <laughs> Brazil coffee is no joke. I had to train myself on that. <laughs>
2: oh man, it's great stuff, but oh, you got to be prepared for it. Mm -hmm. Um, The goal of Life Impact, because I want to jump right into this, is to rescue children who have been sold into prostitution or child slavery. Uh, You know, I have trouble wrapping my head around that, that that's happening and it's happening more than we realize. But being sold into prostitution, child slavery, as well as those who are victims of abuse, uh, abandonment, extreme poverty. And I think you guys are seeing it all. Lana, take us back to the start, would you, of Life Impact? And there's somebody named Lily, I believe, if I've got the story correct, that plays a key role.
1: Yes. Her name was changed, obviously. Yeah. Um, And she did. And she's the reason why now hundreds of uh, children are here rescued in safe homes and family-style safe Mm -hmm. homes here on our border. But I I guess it would start over 22 years ago, about 23 years ago. I heard I mean, this is before child trafficking, child exploitation was a sexy hot topic. Mm. You know, nobody had even heard about it back then. I I was 24 and heard about this and came and started a prevention home with 52 kids. But uh, what had happened was we had heard about children's virginity going for as much as $3,000 in Bangkok, that Bangkok was the armpit of the world for child exploitation, just for uh, exploits against children. Uh, We had heard about businessmen coming to sleep with children to take their virginity to think it would bring luck to their business, or people with HIV Uh. coming in old wives' tales thinking that if you slept with a child, it would take away HIV. Uh. So I heard this 23 years ago, actually, and I just knew we had to do something about it and uh, an opportunity came with some missionaries and launched uh, one of the first homes. It was a prevention home. Our okay. whole plan was prevent, rescue, heal. So we started, we didn't know how to rescue yet. So we started with prevention while we were working to rescue. Uh, started with 52 kids in a prevention home, started finding out what was really going on, getting the country here in Thailand. Uh, at that time, Thailand was number one in the world for children uh, sold into prostitution or children wow. involved in prostitution, forced into prostitution. Uh, uh, because there's no such thing as a child prostitute, but children are sold for that from their mm-hmm. parents because no child chooses that, right? No, and, exactly. Um, so in all of that, we had the prevention homes. And then about, gosh, 15 years ago, there was an eight-year-old girl. She was sold for $24. We were at one of the local on our border. There was just all these, um, we didn't have air conditioning. We didn't even have an escalator. There was just outdoor kind of brunch places. Mm-hmm. And we were at this outdoor um, place eating. And this little girl came up to me begging. And she said, 10 baht, 10 baht. And, um, and I just heard in my heart uh, to go with her. And I said, I'm not going to give you money. I'll buy you food. Sure. And, uh, sure. and, and I said, I'll buy you food. And she said, come with me. And so I knew to say yes, because I heard that in, her, in my heart. She said, come with me in mm. Thai. And so I said, okay. So she jumped in the back of my uh, 4x4 pickup, and she invited all her street kid friends. She started pointing in the way to go. We pulled up into this shack, this wallless. Um, it was kind of like a squatter drug area. Huh. It was two stories, holes in the, in the ground. All the walls were blown out, just rice sacks hanging there. Huh animals in the area, just everything. We pl- I'd never seen anything like that. I'd already been a missionary here in Thailand. We'd already worked in prevention, sure. a little bit in rescue. So we had already seen a lot and I had never seen anything like that. I'm just following her lead, following her cue. Yeah. We go upstairs with her, we sit on the ground away from the hole so we don't fall through. And she sits on my lap. She's eight years old, she sits on my lap. And all of a sudden her mom starts saying she's going down to Bangkok. And uh, it was about three hours. It was one o'clock at that point. And and she, they, um, she was getting picked up at four. And I said, no, why no. is she going to Bangkok? No. And and I said, what, why? And she said, no money, no money. And I started negotiating with the mom. Please, I'll put her in school. Yeah. I'll uh, help yeah. her with rice. Yeah. You know, please. You know, and she said, no money. Her sister's already there. She's selling flowers. What I didn't know was this was a begging ring. And what happens is, if you've mm-hmm. ever seen um, Slumdog Millionaire, yeah. it's these begging rings. And they, they get them used. They break them, basically. And they, uh, they get Get them used. It's, it's grooming and they get them used to um, just mentally working for money being out all night mm-hmm. uh, getting beat uh, being under like in slavery captured by fear if they don't make a certain amount of money they get beaten they get made in if they try to run away they get beaten really bad and they get made an example too they get raped. And it basically is like breaking them, uh, breaking their will to run. And as soon as they get to a point where they could trust them to go out and sell flowers and they're broken in, then they'll sell them into the uh, sex uh, slave trade. So it's uh, like a gradual kind of a graduation for them. Yeah, and yeah. so there, there were these rings, these begging rings that eventually these girls will go, and these little girls, she's eight at that point, but at about ten, nine, as soon as she starts developing a little bit more, they'll sell her into the sex slave trade. So, uh, so, But I knew about the begging rings. I knew about this progression. I'd already yeah been in the we'd already been uh, fighting and child exploitation so we were already in this kind of line of work so i knew what was going to happen and i said she's not going to sell flowers i said please don't let her go please don't let her go and she said her sister's already there what later on i would find oh. out is the four generations were sold the grandma was a prostitute sold the mom the mom was a prostitute sold the aunt and the aunt was basically the the one that sold all the cousins and everybody else into this oh. Indian mafia trafficking ring and so all of them have been sold down from generation to generation and uh, so I'm negotiating with the mom telling her please and then finally she said no that I already paid the traffickers at that time, it was about 600 baht, which was 18 dollars. Mm-hmm. She said, "I already paid the traffickers. They'll kill me if they come and I don't give, I don't give them to her." And then, so we're talking, talking. I said, "What if I, I? I just knew. I tried every other option, and they, she wouldn't take it. And so I just knew in my heart there was no other option but to pay back the traffickers the money. Yeah. And so I said, "What if I pay back the traffickers and you let her come with me right now?" And she said, uh, "And I, I really believe it was an act of God because I mean, for her to not get that money, what happens is when they're sold down to Bangkok." they make so much money. I mean, they, when, when they're in sex slavery, they have to sleep with 10, 20 guys a night. And then, so in that, they make money off of all of that. Well, they send about $50 a month back in a secret account. So 1,500 baht, which is nothing compared to what they sell this girl over and over for. So basically she was saying, she's not going to get an income. If if I did that, I took away her income in her future. So that's why I say, I believe it was an act of God. So that moment she said, okay, and I said, okay. And she said, yes. She said, but I already am in debt even more to the traffickers for 200 baht more, which is 800 baht, roughly $24. I said, okay, I'll pay back your debt to the traffickers and let her come with me right now. Because I knew there was no other way. There yeah. there's yeah. no other way. So finally, after all the negotiation, after everything, this little eight-year-old girl's looking up at me. And she said, teacher in, in Thai, teacher, let me go with you. Teacher, let me come with you. Please, oh. teacher, let me come with you. And, and, and Ty, she's telling me this. So finally, we um, we negotiate. We settle the deal. We get down. We get in the, my 4x4 four four truck. I roll up the windows. Thank God they were tinted at that time. Uh, roll up the windows. Start to drive off. And as soon as we drive away, it was exactly 4 o'clock. I didn't realize it, but the negotiations were about 3 hours. As soon as we drove away, the traffickers came. Uh, they were coming up. And she said, that's who I was going to go to Bangkok. That's who was coming to get me in Bangkok. She's 8 years old. She doesn't know all the details. And she said, that's the one that was coming to take me to Bangkok and we drove away just in time and in from that one girl like you have to remember I didn't know anything about her I didn't she I just met her at a cafe so I didn't know I didn't know her name. I didn't know where she went to school. I didn't know her exact age. I didn't know anything. I don't have any paperwork on her. I don't have anything. And um, as we're driving, like, we drove away. We got into the city. And she pointed to an organization. um, It's a famous organization everybody would know. And she said, I went to school there. So I pulled over the truck. And I I walked in. And I said, hey, do any of you? And we had collaborated on them on some other things before here on our border. And I said, hey, do any of you you guys know this girl? Like, do any of you know this girl? And they said, how did you know her? How did how, what happened? And I said, she came up to me at a cafe and said, we knew she was going to be trafficked. And I said, if you knew, why didn't you do anything yeah, about it? Yeah, and they said, yeah. we can't. They're illegal. They're Burmese. They're trafficked from Burma to Thailand. Uh, there's 60 women and children trafficked daily on our border. Hmm. We can't do, they're illegal. If we do something, the border control will come after us. The police will come after us. Uh. All the all the brothels on our border are owned by the police. And they, they said, they're illegal. We can't do anything about it. And, uh, and so we're I'm talking to them and talking about the situation. And they said, there's so many kids like this. They said, we have 12 that we know they're about to be sold. And I heard the Lord again speak to me and say, you do something about it. And so I said, what if I do something about it? And they said, if you do something about it, we'll get you 12 children tomorrow that we know are going to be trafficked down to Bangkok. And I said, okay, get me the children. We're going to find the homes. We're going to do something about it. And so that's how it all started with one eight-year-old girl for $24 doing something about it. Unbelievable. 12 turned into 60. Now we have um, almost 100 in Thailand. Uh, we at one point had 24 in Burma. Now because of the war, those numbers are down. And so uh, because sure. of the civil war going yeah. on. But yeah. this one eight-year-old girl for $24 started uh, our rescue phase
2: of Life Impact International. You know, that is that is absolutely amazing. And and I'm listening to you say, okay, now 12 turns into this. 12, yeah, but it's like this all of a sudden, boom, you know, God puts this on you. And you're saying, okay, I'm going for it. And you weren't sure what you're going to do with them or where you're going to take them or anything else, it sounds like. And yet, I mean, it's, it's grown, grown, grown. I mean, that is such an amazing story. And to think now, you know, three countries and, and you said 100 in Thailand you have,
1: yeah, that's only in our rescue. So we also okay. do prevention, and uh, we have thousands in our prevention. Thousands okay.
2: of children in Thailand, Burma, and Brazil. Okay. The numbers are staggering, and, and I'm going to go back to something you said a couple minutes ago where you said you had never seen anything like this before. Yeah. I've traveled to 30 countries now, and uh, I've seen some pretty crazy stuff, but I've never seen that. And I don't know whether people protected me, kept me away from it, you know, I did have my life threatened a couple of different times. And I remember being in the Philippines, we had to leave very quickly and not go to another area because leaders were saying they're going to come get you if you go there, you know, that kind of thing. But to see this, and I mean, I'm, I'm just, uh, you know, I've heard about this, but to hear you talk, you're, you're there, you, you, you've seen it, you've felt it, you've touched it. I'm having trouble wrapping my head around it that a man would pay to do this, and a mother and a grandmother and an aunt, and, and, and you know just down this line, and I don't condemn them. You gotta eat, you gotta live, but there's gotta be a better way. And what you guys are doing is a better way. Kyle, let me jump to you for a minute. And, and uh, you're 18 years old, if I got that right, correct? Yes. And you had to raise support to be able to come and join Lana in this amazing rescue effort what motivated you? I mean, had you made a quick trip to Thailand, and said, "Oh, I see this. I think I can help," <laughs> you know? Or, Brazil. I mean, what? I, I mean, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. Yeah,
0: and and I feel so grateful because you know what Lana said, and also what you said. I feel like growing up in America, you never see anything like this, and neither have I. And all throughout this trip, I think there is various moments where I would sit down and say, like, you know, this is crazy. Like, it's the kind of thing you can't comprehend until no. you get to go. And see it with your own eyes. And even the past few days, I've been away from home for a month. You know, traveling all over Brazil, now Thailand. And I think just recently, the last few days, it started to hit me, and I started to recognize just how big it is that God is doing through them. You know, Hmm. and I don't think it's something that most people understand. And I, I, I think it's for various reasons they don't. Maybe because they're sheltered. Maybe you know, people don't want them to see it. But um. I feel very blessed that god has you know unveiled my eyes and he's planted this desire in my heart to serve in this way but yeah so lana she told me my mom had been hitting her up for like a year and um she was like my son wants to travel with you my son wants to travel <laughs> um, so i couldn't travel with her i was only 17. yeah and um lana happened to be in america and she like finally got back to my mom yeah she just happened no that's really how it is she's such a busy lady but um um, she got back to my mom and they're on the phone and she was like is your son willing to travel with me in a week is he willing to carry my bags and is he willing to help me like do everything wherever i go and my mom looked at me and i was like i guess so you know and i honestly couldn't (laughs) tell you why yeah exactly i didn't know what to expect and i couldn't tell you why i wanted to other than the fact that i just felt the spirit leading me here, mm. you know? I, I really don't know why, and I think as the days have started to pass, I've started to understand more and more what God wants me to do, and, and why he's calling me to specific areas, and the things he's revealing to me. Huh. And yeah, so the number of money she gave me to raise was much more than I had, than my mom had, because you, <laughs> gotta, you gotta realize, flying from America yep. to Brazil, yep. to various states in Brazil, and then to Thailand, it's a lot of money, and it's funny because the amount of money I never worried about at one time. And that's why I say huh. the spirit was really leading me and, um, I gave it to God and within four days I had all of the money I needed to travel. Whoa. $6,000. How much? $6,000.
1: 6000
0: And then also more than that to cover, you know, my living expenses while here. Food. Sure. Yeah. And, um, it's funny, because people continue to donate. And I told my mom, like, oh, maybe people shouldn't donate anymore. You know, like, I don't need any more money. Yeah. I'm here, and I'm going to be coming home soon. What's wrong with you? And when we were in Brazil, when we were in Brazil, I felt really compelled by the spirit. I was like, I need to come back here. and Because I skateboard in America, that's what I do. And I felt led to create, like, some sort of skate camp for the children in Brazil. And I, at the time when I was coming here, I didn't know that. But God was already making a way financially for me to come
1: back. He's gonna come back and do a skate camp for the kids there in a really vulnerable, at risk area that never had anything. This is an area where kids sell their bodies for rice and beans. Like that's oh, how vulnerable, oh. that's how at risk it is, that's how um, exploited they are there. And they're gonna he's gonna come back with a friend and do a skate camp for them, skateboarding camp for them. He already got the skateboards donated and everything like awesome. that. So isn't that, that awesome? Oh,
2: Kyle, that is so cool. And you know what? I don't I don't hear fear, I don't hear hesitation. God has confirmed things for you. It seems like over and over and yes. over again. Now, yes. go back when you were younger, early teens or whatever. Were you doing things at that point to help people? I mean, obviously not this, but were you feeling compelled to be? You see something, you try to help, you try to do something, or did it just happen later?
0: I, I feel like I could say I was a good person, but that doesn't mean anything. You know no. what I mean? Yeah, and no, no. of course, if I, if I saw someone struggling, you know, there's that part of morality that most of us have that, you know, causes you to feel bad for that person. But Mm -hmm. God has really just been doing the work in my life from 17 to 18. This past year, he's really been doing things in my heart and pruning things out of my heart. Because before that, I honestly feel like I was quite a mess. And to see how quickly he's done something in my heart and how quickly he's opened my eyes. It's really amazing because I don't know I have friends who ask me and I'm like, I don't know what happened. I don't know what changed. Sure. Sure. You You
2: just know something changed and it was dramatic. And
0: And, that's the grace of God. Yeah. I I really do believe that's the grace of God.
2: No, I I would concur with you. I mean, it's such an awesome story, both of the stories, you know, and now coming together and then you coming back for the skate camp. And um, that's a whole nother thing. We should talk about it sometime, you know, and I love that because that's a, I take it that skating was a, is a passion for you and it's something you enjoy. And now you're going to take it and use it. Nothing is ever wasted, you know? It's, yeah. uh, no, no, not at all. I mean, that, that's uh, one of the many hats I wear is that of a professional drummer. And I started playing professionally when I was in seventh grade, you know? We played our first gig and I think we got paid 50 cents to play at this girl's birthday party. But it's interesting to see how that gift and that ability has been used repeatedly and continues to be. And like you was skating. Oh, yeah, we definitely are gonna have to talk to you again when you <laughs> do that. Because that I mean, I, I, that's amazing. And to go into an area like Lana, like you were saying, yeah, there's yeah. you know <laughs>
1: And that's part of it. That's why I, we had to wait till he was 18, because I'm like, the areas that we go in, they're very dangerous, especially the favelas mm-hmm. in Brazil, and mm-hmm. I mean, they, these are where kids, their only hope is to be a drug trafficker or a drug trafficker's girlfriend, you know, and so uh, it gives them a hope. It gives them, it opens their world that yeah. they never have the other options that they don't have to sell themselves, that that's all they've seen is exploitation, and they, there's other ways, you know, so it's amazing yeah. for this. I mean, we didn't even expect this development, but it, it, that's why he had to be 18, is because he had to be able to go into these dangerous regions and now seeing he like God used what was in his hands you know that's what we say you know what do I do how do I get involved in this fight and we always say what is in your hand what is in your hand right you know and even you see what's in a 18 year old hand is a passion and he's able to use that to help fight child exploitation like that's incredible
2: it's awesome you know in, in that whole concept of what's in your hand we you know I think we we waste a lot of time going well if only if only no 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 don't if only what do you got right now, right here? What can you use? What do you, okay, now you guys are a, a voice for the voiceless. And yes. you're working hard to rescue children and ensure that they never, ever have to face the same kind of trauma and abuse again. What? I've heard you say exploitation a couple of times. What are some of the forms of exploitation that you guys see?
1: You know, in Thailand, it's different. In Thailand, children are trafficked. Like I said, 60 women and children are trafficked daily on our border uh. down to Bangkok, down to the red light district yeah. so it's for in thailand it's labor trafficking child labor still exists child slavery still exists okay. it's a lot of okay. baking rings that i told you about yeah. working and they get sold to be housemaids into uh, richer more fluent households and then they get exploited there and um, and then they're sold like slaves and slavery and then of course the sex trafficking they're sold uh you know it's now Well, it's always been, but what they're realizing with drugs, you do it one time, but with a child's Mm -hmm. body, you can use a child over and over again. So that's one of the main things here in Thailand. Now in Brazil, that's where I got shocked because I always heard Thailand was number one in the world. But in Brazil, when I went there, it was crazy because I had my Thai daughter that I've had from my prevention home since she was 14. And she's been with me all all this time. She came with me to Brazil and she said, Mom, I don't think Thailand's number one. She said, I think Brazil is. She goes, at least in Thailand hidden and she goes in brazil it's in your face it's on every corner children being prostituted and so can Uh. you imagine if that's in your face, then what's hidden underneath? Exactly. And she said basically she said in Thailand, like you have to look for it. You know, you have to be involved in the underground rings sure. here. Sure. It's right there in the corner. And what we saw is children the over exploitation of children, the over sexualization of children now in Brazil. Now and that's actually what our fight is in Brazil is over sexualization and exploitation of okay. children and with that they freely sell their bodies for rice and beans because that's all they've seen for that's their only way out that's all they've ever known that's all they've seen it's so relevant around them that's all they see and so the, the fight in brazil is different with the exploitation of sexual abuse that's the only way you know so in brazil it's a little different than thailand so we see trafficking we see sex slavery i even have in thailand um, we had baby trafficking. So um, at one point, when we first got to our border, they were selling babies for about eighteen dollars. And one of my youngest victims was a one and a half year old baby boy. when I Oh, out. oh, wow! Yeah. So it was baby trafficking as well. As I mean, and it's still very real on our border. We're one of the only ones that will take babies on our border still. And so I, I see it. We see uh, they're they're sold into the begging rings. They're forced mm. to beg. But then when they're begged, it's just a small, small step into to, uh, sexual exploitation and sex slavery. So, those are the different forms that we've seen.
2: You know, it's almost inconceivable what you're saying selling babies, exploiting. Uh, it, it's like we've lost our mind to get to this point where this kind of thing happens. You know, we know it's real, but it shouldn't be. And no conscience. And, and you know, I, I can't even imagine it's bad enough somebody wanting to abuse a child, eight, nine, 10, but then when they're taking babies. Now go back to Brazil, cause I've been there before. I'm just kind of curious, whereabouts in Brazil are you seeing this?
1: yeah so we're in three places we went up and down brazil seeing the most at risk most exploited places for children and we landed on three places i mean we that country is huge right it's the size of america minus alaska and so we went up and down brazil and we landed in three places one is the amazon where there's a lot of sex tourism for for thailand the sex tourism comes from people from australia from asia in this region in uh and in europe but in america in the americas it's uh the Beaches of Brazil. It's oh. the yachts that are on the Amazon River, and okay. children are sold along the Amazon River. So you have these rickety huts along the waters, and basically these big yachts that come for sex tourism parties. Uh, they set the the parents will sell their children, or the single parent homes will sell their children mm. to these boats. They'll have parties with them, sex parties with them on these yachts on the water. If something happens to this child, they'll tie a stone. Like let's say something goes wrong, uh, yeah. they'll tie to the child threat, throw them over on the other side of the boat and basically send the rickety wooden boat that they tied to the side of the ship back with a stack of money to buy the parents' silence. And, um, and so this is oh. happening. This is a, a regular occurrence. So that's the Amazon. Right. I met a little girl that uh, did stuff for a banana for her brother at five years old. Uh, she was eight years old at the time. She came into the safe home uh, in the capital city in Manaus and basically they were telling me the owners of it that she, that's all she knew so she'd say I want a cupcake. Mm. Then what do I have to do for you for a cupcake is what oh. she'd tell what do I have to do so this is very prevalent in the Amazon in some regions 9 out of 10 homes are being sexually abused or sexually exploited 9 out of 10 9 out of 10 in some villages and so these uh. are the, the straight statistics from the missionaries there, from the boots on the ground, from the people that work in there. So that's why we targeted the Amazon. We're starting the first safe home in the interior of the Amazon uh, right now. Yes, and so that's what we just got back from. And then the other one is the North, an area we're at in the North, we call it the Serra region. There's a book called Highway to Hell and it's the BR-116. And that's where children are trafficked from the truck drivers up to the beaches and all along Uh. on the truck stocks. And so that area is very destitute, poverty-stricken, I mean, that, that's where they have, uh, we drove through just this one time, uh, this time again, and they just we. she's like, you see this town, that's why there's nothing here, so they have these big parties here, yeah. and their hopes and their dream is to get pregnant from doing a, a sexual act, so then they have that support from that person from the big city and so, and that's where children sell their bodies for rice and beans, mm. it's where starvation is still happening, I thought, as a missionary for 22 years, I thought starvation was only in India and Africa and it was a thing yeah. in the past. I yeah. didn't realize because of inflation, because of poverty, that is very real in Brazil. So kids are still selling their bodies for rice and beans, for uh-huh. bananas and we saw that and they're doing it at the truck stops 11 12 10 mm-hmm. year olds at the truck stop so in that region and that, that's where we targeted was the north in that area because okay. it is where kids sell their bodies for rice and beans girls sell their bodies for our cell phone or cell phone minutes i that's what captured my heart one girl at uh, 13 years old she invited us in her little um adobe house when she opened and there was a refrigerator that of course didn't work they had no electricity and it was just a broken down they got it on the side of the road but she yeah. opened up the refrigerator showed me a whole refrigerator of food and she was proud of herself and she said this is what i made and she with no shame or anything she's only 13 we went back um, oh. a month later and she wasn't there anymore she was trafficked somewhere and so that's what captured our heart in that area and then yeah. the third one so we have amazon we have the north north of brazil santa region and then the last one is rio de Janeiro, where okay. uh, the favelas. some of the most dangerous favelas were in city of god sure. there's documentary about it and that's where the only hope for these children is either to become a drug trafficker or a drug traffickers girlfriend that's it and where, um, they you know own the brothels and we recently got a crack house given to us from the drug traffickers that is now a prevention center and we're seeing about 250 children and as soon as all the remodeling's done that prevention center alone it can reach up to 800 children wow. but because of what from and they have so much individualized needs like one I was just talking to my project director and they're dealing with a 14 year old girl that goes to the uh, crack area and actually sells herself for drugs and she might be pregnant Mm. we need to get her out of there Mm. we need to get her out of the city you know and so and this is her way to get out so we're dealing with such specialized cases in such a vulnerable at-risk area very dangerous one of the most dangerous favela is in the world area and so we're in those three areas in amazon and uh, uh Serra, the northern area and then rio de janeiro
2: oh ah, that's great now see i have not been to any of those areas but i was yeah. just curious so kyle i i'm just thinking as as a guy and i mean have you felt like you just want to scream and say somebody why won't somebody do something yeah you know, i mean I'm, and- so i'm sitting here going through my mind and and You know, my Italian blood is starting to boil, you know, and, you know, it's like you want to go there and grab somebody and shake them. And, but I guess it's just a way of life and people go about their business. They don't want to get caught up in. I mean, that's what I'm assuming.
0: Yeah. And that's a great question because I asked Lana this actually, I said, so how do you have compassion for not only the victim, but the person who is, you know, putting, Exactly. So, and I, I think that's really where the heart of Christ comes in. Mm-hmm. and trust me it's difficult to see like you said as a guy to see men who are a lot stronger than these little girls doing these things to them because it's, yeah. it's the thing you want to say you know pick on someone your own size yeah exactly but that's where we as christians have to be different and that's how we are going to make a difference that is effective and long-lasting
2: now it's that is so awesome i mean it's talking about making a difference okay this is a huge problem because it's it's everywhere globally. Um, and even though we don't want to admit it, a lot of people, it's happening in the United States, a different level, different way, that kind of thing. There is a solution, and I like how you laid it out on your website, and I would encourage people to go to your, what is your website, by the way? People need to check it out.
1: Yes, it's www.lifeimpactintl, short for international, okay. uh, dot org. So lifeimpactinternational.org.
2: We'll put that in the notes for the show. Those of you that are with us on the show right now, check it out. You've got to check it out. But I love that. What's the solution? And then, you know, kind of where do we begin? First thing, because uh, you mentioned the three that I was going to highlight earlier prevention. What are some of your prevention projects?
1: Yes. So what we do is in these areas, we in prevention, we target our strategy is to target the pools where the traffickers or people prey on the vulnerability of the poor or where these okay. kids are being sold okay. from. So okay. on t- the Thai Burma border, it's the local garbage dump. It's the slums. Mm-hmm. It's these areas where mothers are desperate and they're about to sell their children. So we have as soon as Kyle gets off, he's going to go out with our prevention team. We're we, we never sleep around here. Okay. So uh, they go out <laughs> every day into these vulnerable areas and basically we do uh, awareness child trafficking awareness but also they know my body it's my body it's my right nobody has the right to touch me you know so we and and basically okay if somebody's coming to talk to you about giving an offer for your child like don't do it so this is where we go we try to work with the families where they're at we're trying to meet them at their most vulnerable state and have Mm -hmm. them to not sell their children it's usually single moms with about five children so we try to meet them try to help them have solutions to not sell their children and then also so we work with the children, and we teach them their rights, uh, safe touch, their rights. And then we also let's say they're hungry; then they're not going to listen to us unless their their bellies are filled. Exactly. So we bring them food, for them, or we do it in the sidewalk Sunday school. And we do activities. So that's how prevention looks in uh, Thailand. We have a full-on prevention team. And oh. That's all they do is prevent child trafficking. They're not our rescue team, and they're not our house parents for family-style safe homes. But yeah. they're just our prevention team, and that's all they do is prevent child exploitation. Wow. So uh, we spend just as much energy in preventing than we do rescuing. So that's how it looks on Thailand. In Brazil now, our prevention has exploded so we have places like the Crack House and now we they're turned into dream centers. We just got a warehouse in the north that's going to house another 500 children and then in Amazon, we got given an abandoned, um, it's like a, a community area yeah. and it an actually has a skate park that Kyle's going to come up and do that up there in Amazon as well. Nice. But uh, it's an abandoned community area that's turned into, again, a drug usage place, and it's right next to the red light district. So we mm. take those areas, I mean, we're like masters of taking these abandoned <laughs> crack areas, and uh, we take them and turn them into, it, it's like a dream center, so we give them some kind of vocational training so that they don't have to sell their bodies and they can learn how to make something with their hands and make money that way. Some kind of skills, some kind of trade, some kind of hope for their future. We mm. feed them because they're starving and they're hungry. We do basic math, reading and writing. We have a 12-year-old that came wow. to one of our prevention projects in Brazil uh, she, actually, at 11, a little girl wrote that, and she said, I thought I was going to be a prostitute like my mom and my grandma, mm. but now I could read and write, and I started to read the Bible, and I realized I can do anything, and I can be anything. This is an 11-year-old girl, oh. so we teach them how to read and write, Amazing. basic math, their basic language, because they can't really speak their language properly. They don't have opportunities to go to school tutoring, counseling. We give them therapy. We have on-site social workers and therapists actually to give them counseling therapy. That's how we found out the 14 year old girl was selling her body under the bridge in Rio for crack. And so uh, we we work with them in that way, but then we give them Jesus and he brings hope to their heart and light Mm. to the darkness on the inside of their soul. Mm -hmm. So that's what we do in these, they're kind of like dream centers where kids can be kids again and they can dream again. So that's what prevention looks like in Thailand and Brazil.
2: Now, what about uh, rescue? You know, I mean, that's such a huge thing, but how is this accomplished?
1: Yeah, so rescue, you have to be careful and work with the government. So in Thailand, we're a part of the anti-trafficking task force on our border. Um, It's it's a task force where we're uh, networked with the chief of police, the head of border control, and the head of the hospitals, as well as the head of social welfare department. So we Mm -hmm. work together Five on that uh, anti-trafficking platform. And we work together with them and we're the area that they send the children to. So after a rescue happens, my child protection officer's on that seat. And so is my social worker. She's actually another daughter from my home. She uh, we're, we're on the seats with the government. After a rescue happens, they come through Life Impacts. Um, we have a, a, a hidden safe home and then we have the promised land where they wow. become a part of our, of our family. So we work together in conjunction with the government in this area. We are the uh, model for the border in that they call it the basically the border model of prevent, rescue, heal on Whoa. the border, and then in Brazil right now uh, we're again networked. We have our social workers, and we're networked with the government, and they're the ones who begged us. They said we have so many cases, a stack of cases of children, mm. and we have nowhere to send them. Will you start a safe home? So we we go in, we network with the governments, and we say how can we help? What can we do? And um, and we become a part that way. And work within the government alliances you know what's rescue.
2: awesome is you guys have that respect from the government you have yeah. that respect from other entities and i mean that doesn't come lightly no. uh, but to have that and by the way i can understand why you say you never sleep because i'm getting tired i'm thinking you know i'm busy but i'm thinking how do you know <laughs> but it, you are you get energy you get motivation yeah. when you see that you're being used when you see that you're making a difference all right quickly heal i mean that's so huge what's yes. the process
1: So HEAL is family-style safe homes. So basically, I believe that healing comes within a family. And so after we rescue these children, we don't just put them in an institution. There's enough institutions. There's enough of these different things. We have an emergency transition home, we call it. And and at that point, children know that they're safe. They know that we're not the abusers. They know that because the good guys have always been the bad guys in their life. Mm -hmm. The mom, the Mm -hmm. auntie, the teacher, whoever is the one to save them. So they have to basically know that they can trust us. You know, the first two weeks they have night terrors, they wet the bed. So we love on mm-hmm. them. We let them know they're safe. We let them know they can trust us. And at that moment, after um, just that healing process begins and after that trust begins, we transfer them over to our family style safe home setup where they get a mom that doesn't sell them, a father that doesn't abuse them. Mm-hmm. They learn. they Feel. We have hybrid family-style safe homes. So basically what we do is we bring the whole family, so the parents and their biological children, and then we put the rescue children in that family style, and the whole family loves on them. Wow. And um, so I don't just have this big safe home with 50 children. We yeah. do family-style safe homes with four to 10 children, and they get integrated and healed within this family. So if you come to the promised land, we have two promised lands. We have 18 family-style safe homes total, 18 sets of house parents here in Thailand, And then I have a children's home director, a missionary. She's been with me since she was 19 as well. And she makes (laughs) sure it just all runs according to our hearts. And if you go, you will not even know that these kids, that that this has happened to them. It doesn't even feel like that. And so we have a girl's and a baby's promised land. And then we have a boy's promised land as Mm. well.
2: It's strategic. It's intentional. uh, And I love the concept of, of healing in a family. They need to
1: see it so they don't continue this cycle of yeah. exploitation exactly. in these nations. They have to exactly. break this cycle. So we're raising up a generation to break the cycle in their own nations and to mm. see this healing, get receive this healing, so they can be a part of the solution and be a part of the healing and not continue the dysfunction and exploitation in their nation. It's a wow. generation that will change it.
2: No, and that's what it's going to take. Okay, now now let's switch gears for a moment. And again, on your Instagram page, change a life, change the world. That is absolutely astounding. And it is so true to be a change maker. Talk to our audience, teens, young adults, Kyle's demographic, if we can use that word. What can they do to make a difference with this problem? Okay, they're not old enough, let's say, to travel. Um, What can they do here, where they live, where they go to school? Are there things that they can do that they can be involved in? Yes,
1: absolutely. I, I say it like this. I believe I was rescued to rescue. And I believe each one of us have something in their hand, no matter what the age. Uh, okay. I know a girl that started um, doing shirts. She was only 14. Her name was Lily, actually. And she started making shirts. And she said, um, basically, I am not for sale. I am not this and this. And she said, I am valuable, loved, beautiful. And she wow. starts to bring awareness to child trafficking and child exploitation. Yep. And I think she raised like $3,000 for us at 14. Wow just at 14 and just and didn't come on a trip didn't do anything she sent it only for the children and i have i have i mean 10 year olds that made bracelets and sold bracelets and in that they brought awareness to what's happening in their generation so I believe that this generation is powerful i believe I that this too. generation can raise up and save their own generation I believe that they can be a voice for the voiceless i believe yes. that they can stop it i believe that they can bring awareness to it I believe that they can do something you can do something like escape camp you can do something where uh, you know Or or do something to raise money to send it to to help your generation, your age group. You can fight for those who can't fight for themselves, right there, right where you're at. So basically, it is what is in your hand. What do you know how to do? I mean, I had seven-year-olds, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds make putty and sell it. You know what is that the in in the thing when that was a big deal? And I I think it was. thousand dollars and I just had a girl it was super cool she was a refugee from this border she got sent to America she actually came back and and saw what was happening to her people and she went back and she said I need to do something and she I, I think she was only 20 and uh, she's like what can I do so she started making egg rolls she made Agnes, egg rolls okay. she's Asian so she made egg rolls I think she raised it was like at least fifteen hundred dollars from selling wow. egg rolls you know and it, and it's like That's amazing. Crazy. It's It's incredible. And so yes, I think you yes. have something to give. You do. There is something on the inside. There's some natural gifting. There's some natural talent. There's something sure. that you know how to do. I said, everybody has something that they can use to fight this in their own generation, in their own yes. nation. We've all been rescued to rescue. We all have something to give.
2: I like that phrase. We've all been rescued to rescue. And, and you know, a big phrase that we use frequently at here at Utah is, are you mad? Are you making a difference? Don't just talk about something. Don't just complain about something. Don't just turn your back on something. Be a change maker. You know, what can you do? And maybe it's one simple thing, but it's still making a difference.
1: Yes. Sorry, let me wrap up with change your life, change the world. Actually, yeah. that comes from rescue to rescue. Like, my life was changed when I was 19 years old. And at that moment, I knew that I was supposed to do two things. And one of those two things was to fight for innocent and vulnerable children with my life at 19 mm. years old. And that's how I be- I came here at 24 years old and became, uh, started a home for 52 kids. And so I believe that that can get in your heart at 19 years yes. old. I believe it yes. can get in your heart at 17 years old. I remember wanting to send my Barbies to Africa because I saw, I'll feed the Children commercial on Christmas and crying at eight or nine years old saying, Mom, I want to send my Barbies to Africa. I want to send my Barbies to Africa. <laughs> so, I, you know, like these seeds are of destiny are planted in my heart. And I believe when you get one, one life is changed, just one life, then if you look. So at 19, my life was changed. And so I wanted to make a difference. I was rescued to rescue. And then that ripple effect. So then I came and started a home for 52 kids. And then that ripple effect. And then that ripple effect. So I believe that it's just that one stone that gets thrown into that water, that one encounter that one hit that one collision with destiny and then it causes a ripple effect yes it's change a life it just takes one of us to grab a hold of it and grab a hold of the destiny that we're meant to live and to grab a hold of our purpose and that will create a ripple effect that one will reach five that those five will reach 10 those 10 will tell 20 and it'll end up creating a world of difference
2: and you know so many young adults struggle today with purpose. You know, do I matter? Can I make a difference? And here's one area, many areas where they can make a difference and it's getting focused, right? It's getting your eyes turned around. And, you know, when you start helping somebody else, your life has changed. You're, you're yeah. no longer going to be the same. You know, when you you see that you're being used to make a difference. Oh th- this is huge uh, oh, I am so glad i don't know if you knew that a guest that we just had on about a month ago who i that was the first time I met her Jasmine Rennie is the yes. one who connected us with you, and I know she's involved but you know there again, we love being able to tell stories and talk with people like you guys that are making a difference because it's so huge i can't thank you enough guys, for joining us. Once again, if somebody wants to follow you on social media, what is that handle?
1: It's uh, Life Impact International. Life Impact International. We're on all of it. Facebook, Instagram, all of it. Our YouTube, we have um, videos of our rescue on our YouTube, so Life Impact
2: International. All right, well, we'll make sure those are in the notes. And again, website, one more time.
1: www.lifeimpactintl.org, so short for international.
2: I personally, and I know our team is stoked about what you guys are doing to make a difference and and having been in some of these places, you know, I was in Thailand briefly and never been to Burma, but uh, seeing just a little tiny touch of what this huge stuff you guys are seeing. Kyle, I'm excited for you and just to see what changes... God does in your life and for your future and excited about the skate camps. You definitely got to get a hold of us once you've done those. So we can talk to you about that and just see that what that experience is like, you know, skating is still super popular in many places of the, I was going to say the country, but the world. So, um, you know, this is great. Thank you very much for taking the time. We are very grateful that we had the privilege of being able to interact with you and hear the story so we will look forward to staying in touch with you and uh, hopefully getting with you face-to-face, whether it's a brief stop you guys have in the States or a stop that I might have or one of our other team members might have in a country you're in, but please keep in touch with us. Let us know what you're doing so we can let other people know. It'll be on YouTube. So uh, you can share this with somebody else and I definitely would recommend it because this has been, boy, it, it just, my heart is like Meeting, you know, so fast because there's so much that you've shared with us. It's almost overwhelming. But um, you guys, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for the commitment you've made. Thank you for the lives that are being changed. And thank you, Lana, for Life Impact International. What a great thing you guys are doing. And uh, again, please stay in touch with us and, and let us know what's happening so we can... Let other people know what's happening and what you guys are doing. Thank you. Bye, Bye guys. for having us. This is You Talk Radio.